Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here we'll explore a wide range of topics, from holistic nutrition and metabolic health to balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine and how intuition, spirituality, and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. On this episode of The Nest Podcast, I'm joined by my husband, Mark, as my guest co-host as we discuss part one of marriage, money, and manifesting. We share our relationship backgrounds, both coming from divorce, how we found each other, and my hesitancy to get married again. We also discuss power dynamics and relationships, re-examining gender roles, and what a healthy marriage looks like for us as two individuals growing together with a common vision. So sit back, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's dive in. Hi, babe. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to have uh, have my husband here to have a little conversation, but also you're our first male on the podcast. I'm excited to be on your podcast. It took me a season. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk about marriage, money, and manifesting. So let's dive in. So first to start... We're going to start with the marriage bit and we're going to chat. Well, let's just start with how we met and kind of get into things that way. So for those of you listening, Mark and I have been married now just over 10 years and we've been together for 11 years and we met, both of us have been married before. We're both divorced and we, yeah, we met and got married quite quickly, but let's dive into the story. I'm actually going to ask you to start telling the story, Mark, because I want to hear from your perspective and then I'll dive in. So I guess there's many elements to how we met. Do you want to start with the in-person when we physically met or how we came to that? I don't know. How Tim, how like it all kind of like you had come to Toronto, newly divorced. All right. Well, I think there's quite a bit to the story. I think my life trajectory, I was living in Turks and I was married before and that marriage was ending. And it was kind of a tough point in my life because I don't think I was quite ready to be done with marriage. I felt like it was a bit of a failure, but at the same time, I knew that relationship was was done. And uh, I, I only bring it to this point just because it's important on how we ended up meeting and kind of the discussion for today in terms of manifesting and, and how things come about. And I've had a couple of periods in my life where I've had a, a moment of stillness and kind of thought has popped into my head as to what's going to happen next, or I'm at an important point to make a decision. And in this case, it was it was one where I was still in Turks and we we're in the process of leaving. And uh, I was working, I had committed to a contract that was eight months. Um, I kind of knew that if I was to stay longer in Turks, it would put more strain on my prior marriage, but I kind of knew it was ending anyways. And uh, the other option was to leave right away and get back to Canada and try to work on what's happening. So I had a moment where I was sitting on the beach and taking a moment to myself to try to figure out what my next plan of action was. And I remember vividly just sitting and staring out at the ocean and it was quiet morning. I think it was a Sunday and looking over to the left and the hotel that I was working for was on my left and above it were these ominous clouds with lightning, like heat lightning and lots of activity happening and and kind of dark and 
stormy. And then to my right, I don't remember if there was actual people there or if the feeling was that there should have been people there, but it was a, a husband and a wife and a kid playing in the water happily and just enjoying their Sunday. And I was like, okay, well, obviously to the right is where I want to be. I wanted a family. I wanted the right person to share that with. And to the left, it was this storm cloud of, you know, crap <laughs> I had to go through. So it, the message I got when I was thinking about it and and uh, looking through the whole situation was that I kind of had to go through the storm clouds to the left to get to the right. Like it wasn't a direct line left to right. It was I had to go around. I had to go through to the hotel, stay longer, and I was going to be in for it in terms of shakeup of my current setup to get to where I needed to be. So it was just knowing that, all right, well, here's what I need to do. And I went with it. And there was a feeling involved with it that as much as things would be shaken up and changed, it was a good thing. And it, and it felt comforting knowing that that was the path I was taking. So that was kind of the beginning part, because I know this will feed into our discussion later, I'm sure. Can, um, I, but, can I stop you for a second? I'm just going to interrupt. Yeah, of course. Just for those listening, you know, like, so you're painting this picture of like, you're sitting on the beach, you're looking out at the water, and to one side of you, there's like this storm, Right. And the hotel where you were working and then the other side of you to the other side of you, it's like, you know, beautiful, clear skies and a family playing and, you know, this gorgeous scene. And intuitively you got this message. It was like you heard, you kind of like, however people hear it, whether it's a feeling, you know, if you're clairaudient or clairvoyant, or whatever, however it comes, this idea of like your intuition was saying, then the message was clear was if you want to go there, if you want this, like, you know, family playing, if you want this idyllic situation, there's a journey that you're going to have to go on. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. It's a good summary. And it, for me, it was um, a lot of these uh, situations, downloads, whatever you want to call them basically the whole story plays out at once like there's no time involved there's no story being told it's just it's a knowing of oh that's a it's a feeling in my body of like oh okay here's what's happening here's the situation it's all i have to tell the story in 10 minutes but it all happens at once so basically it was a feeling of exactly what you summarized this is the path i need to take and there's some comfort in knowing that even though that path was going to be tumultuous or tough um it was the right one and i could gain comfort in that knowing that there was this end game of being in the right place so let's fast forward a little bit so then you you take the stormy route you like you have the storm you're going through your divorce and or you've gone through your divorce and then you end up back in canada from turks and caicos and you're out one night and you meet an old friend from high school yeah so these things kind of happen. And it was one of those things where I was actually meeting a friend from uh, Turks and Caicos for a, a quick beer downtown Toronto. And for whatever reason, I wasn't super excited to go do it. But at the same time, I was like, Oh, no, I think I, I think I need to do this. This will be great. And there was kind of a feeling of you should be going out for this drink. So okay, okay, so I went out, uh, met with this person. And his friends and family, I think were there. And then I think I was leaving or if I was just going out to go to the bathroom or something, but I, I'd walk down the front hallway where the people were coming into the bar and, and I could hear in the background some Nielsen <laughs> and I turn around and it's, it's a good friend of mine from high school and we had reconnected just by chance, like complete random chance. Um, and then we got caught up and, and part of the catching up was learning that um, he was actually dating and, and, with and ended up getting married to 
another close friend of ours from high school, Laura. And Laura was, she was in your program. So she, she knew you <laughs> and I knew them. And just by chance, I guess, a couple of weeks later, Tim and I were hanging out, we were playing basketball and, and, you know, connecting on weekends and whichever. And by chance he was heading up to the naturopathic college just to, to get a workout out in at their gym. He wanted to save money. So he was hooking on Laura's gym pass to go up there and, and sneak in. So I went up with him. And, and that, that's kind of where we met, right? Yeah. So from my end of things, it was, I'm at naturopath, like I'm at my school. I went to the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto. And normally I was not there on a Saturday. This was a Saturday that this all took place. And, but we were hosting a conference that weekend and I was in the cafeteria. There was a break between presentations and our school was 90% female. I just like, just to paint the picture for everyone listening, my school was 90% female. And so, you know, I'm sitting in the cafeteria and I'm with a few friends, uh, all female friends. And again, the cafeteria is like mostly women and in walks <laughs> Mark and you're really tall. You're like six, six tall, dark and handsome. And Tim, these two like good looking guys, like handsome men, like walk into the cafeteria. And I think almost every head turned <laughs> and you came walking towards me and my friends. And what was interesting, like the reason why they walked over is because Tim was coming to get a key from us because he couldn't get the fob from Laura or whatever. They were getting the fob so they could get into the gym. And so that is how Mark and I met is he was accompanying Tim. They were coming to the school to use the gym. I just happened to be there for this conference. And it was a break between seminars and in walks Mark. And I clocked you from across the cafeteria. And in my mind, I was like that one. <laughs> so I had been single for a while. I had, I was also newly divorced. I had dated a little bit and kind of given up on the dating scene. Cause I had done online dating and, you know, dated like, you know, I'd been dating and I just kind of wasn't really enthusiastic anymore about it. I was frustrated because I felt like, oh, this is, I just kept meeting these <laughs> duds. Anyways, the point is that I, speaking of manifesting, I kind of had my own version of manifesting our meeting because I, like a month and a half prior to meeting you, I had written out a list. And I know this might sound so silly, but it was, I think the list actually just helped me gain clarity on what I wanted. Cause again, I had dated, you know, dated a few different people and had done some of this online dating and I was really clear on what I didn't want. And so I wanted, I wrote down a list of what I wanted and then I tucked it away in my journal and never really, like I said, a prayer. I was like, universe, I'm done. Just bring him to me now. Like I will, I'm open to receive. This is what I want. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting my cosmic order into the universe. <laughs> this is what I want. And I wrote out the list, put it in my journal, said my prayer. And that was that. And then just went about living my life. I was in school and I had lots of stuff happening. And then that day in the cafeteria in you walked and my intuition was like him. I hadn't even spoken to you yet but it was definitely love at first sight for me. And I was like, yep, you. And then I asked you out right there on the spot. 
<laughs> and you said you were busy. <laughs> uh, I have no games. <laughs> yeah. So you said you had plans and I was crushed. And I was like, what? <laughs> Anyways, but what so was, was it, our it's... friends actually, when you left to go work out, yeah, you like our friends, Tim and Laura actually ended up setting us up on, on a date because they both spoke to us separately afterwards, after our meeting. And we went out on a date and then a year later we were married. Yeah. So I have zero game at all at this point. I'd been married for a while and, and not, I again was also trying the dating scene. It was the early stages of like online dating. It wasn't Tinder and stuff, but it was like, I don't know, dating.com or something. Anyways, just really brutal stuff. Does that even exist? (laughs) I don't know. I just made it up. I just can't remember the name of it, but it was, it was just these apps and it was so awkward to put yourself out on a, a website and then get these random people asking for dates. And it was just, anyways, very uncomfortable, not my, my not my thing. And of course, I was definitely interested when I met Mariska and, and the friends sitting in the cafeteria. And I was definitely not brushing her off, but I was like, oh yeah, no, I got something on tonight. I'm going to a, was it Teddy teddy bear picnic? <laughs> it was a teddy bear fundraiser. It was some sort of fundraiser for the children's hospital. It was, yeah. Um, Which, you know, that was very noble i was yeah. it was more that i was like what you just said no to me like i was so because i was so certain it wasn't that i was so arrogant to be like oh it was more just that i saw you and i felt this like magnetic pull i know that sounds so corny but it was true i was like there was something there and anyone who's met anyone that has felt that before knows what i'm talking about but it was very much a like a I don't know it was a recognition a soul recognition and uh, so that's yeah. why I was a little shocked when you said you were busy so I was like oh I'm like okay but that said then what I did was I was like okay well I maybe I was wrong and I just let it go and I was like okay universe again because I had kind of surrendered that over and then you it came about that obviously our our friends conspired and we ended up going out and it was, it's all worked out, but I want to jump ahead to, well, actually, do you want to tell the story about the premonition that you had before I move on to, to marriage? Well, I'm not sure if you're referring to this, but since we're talking about us meeting, it was also one of the, one of the thoughts I had was that I would meet and marry a blonde doctor in Toronto and then have a, have a family. And in the in the vision on the beach, it was a lady with blonde hair and, and a son playing in the water. But then later I had a separate thought. And it wasn't that I was out hunting for it. In fact, at 33, I was like, I'm 33, single, I'm living in Toronto. I'm never getting married again. <laughs> it was just kind of, I'm happy just being who I'm supposed to be. And I think that was part of it is that we kind of both met at a time where we're both okay with ourselves. And I felt I was doing what I needed to be doing for myself health wise and social wise and career wise and and just doing my thing. So when we met, it was, it was never in a position of destitute or needing to find another partner. It was very much like I'm good by myself. I can, I can be in this spot. And I think you were kind of in the same place. And by that nature, it it kind of leads into the rest of our discussion, I guess, just on what marriage is and and how we viewed our partnership and, and, uh, it was quite nice and poetic, I guess, the kind of it way to the way it all came together. Yeah, no, I agree. I was definitely in a really good place. I was feeling great physically, mentally, spiritually, like I was really in alignment. 
I think that's what you're saying. Like you were also in alignment and there was no, I need a partner. It was very much like, I'm good. And I'll recognize that person when they come. And that's what happened. So let's fast forward a little bit. So obviously we met, we dated, fell in love, the whole thing. Wonderful. And then right before, like we decided to elope, like we said, we've been married before. We decided to elope because, well, from my perspective, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go through the big wedding again, like the whole thing, because the first time around, and I won't say too much just for privacy reasons for my ex-husband, but the first time around, I felt like I got caught up in the wedding and the whole, like the event and the dress and the, you know, like all of the things. And it was less It was more about the event than it was about the actual marriage. And so this time around, I really wanted to just make it about us and focus on the commitment we were making. And I had a really hard time with the idea of getting married again. And I had to, and this is like, you know, we'll launch into our discussion now about like marriage and what we believe it to be. But, and again, I just going to state, we're not quote unquote experts, (laughs) I guess we're married and whatever, we've been married for 10 years. So maybe that makes us an expert. But what I'm saying is we're like, we don't give marriage counseling um, as a couple or anything like that. This is just us sharing our story and our insights, having been married um, and divorced and now married again. And also, you know, just a husband and wife in the world talking with friends and, and, you know, learning from our friends' experiences too. So I had, but just jumping back to the story, I, you know, like when we talked about getting married again, and you had mentioned this idea of like divorce being a failure, I was really, I think the first time around, I had no idea what marriage was actually supposed to be. And that was part of, I think what had happened uh, with that marriage, but I wanted to be more conscious this time around and actively choose and like, what are we doing? What is the point of this? Why are we getting quote unquote married? What does that even mean? And of course there's, you know, the spiritual side of it. Uh, and then there's the, you know, the contractual side of it, like the legal side of getting married and, and what that means. But what was interesting is when I was going through my divorce, Elizabeth Gilbert's eat, pray, love had come out and, you know, the movie with Julia Roberts and that whole thing. And that really helped me. It's kind of funny. It was, I remember a particular scene of her crying in the bathroom and this whole idea of like, you know, is leaving a marriage just because you're unhappy enough of a reason. And that was, you know, why I wanted to leave my marriage because I was really unhappy and had realized that we were not well-matched. Obviously I'm talking about my first marriage. So I had gone kind of like went through my divorce journey while eat, pray, love was kind of like playing out in our culture. Um, So that was really interesting. And then Elizabeth Gilbert's second, or she had written another book, I don't know um, in what order, but after eat, pray, love came out committed. And it was this book for like, she had written, it was a book she had written exploring um, marriage and what marriage is and what's it all about, because she had sworn she would never marry again after her divorce. And at the end of Eat, Pray, Love, you know, so those of you who haven't read it, or just a quick summary, you know, Eat, Pray, Love is all about her journey going through divorce and realizing that she was unhappily married. And then she goes on this journey and she goes through different countries. I think it's Italy, Bali, and oh my goodness, I can't remember the other one. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is at the end of the book, she meets a man that she then ends up marrying. But 
before she marries him. And this is where committed kind of picks up from where eat, pray, love ends, where she had met this man. She didn't want to marry again. And cause she was like, I don't, you know, like I went through a divorce. It was really painful. And what is marriage? And the whole reason why she had to marry him was because he couldn't enter back into the U S he wasn't a U.S. citizen. And there was this whole thing around citizenship. And anyways, the point is that I was reading this book the year that we were dating or had read it at some point during that year. And when we were talking about getting married and I just remember how serendipitous it was that another Elizabeth Gilbert book had come along and it was explain or her exploring this idea of like, what is marriage? And she went through all different, like a bunch of different cultures and ideas surrounding marriage. And I found it so helpful and it actually changed the nature of, I would say of our relationship in some ways and how we approached marriage and mainly, especially our vows, because we didn't do till death do us part in our vows. We said, until our heart tells us it's time to move on. And so that might sound like kind of weird to some people, but the idea was I had a really hard time and it made me anxious thinking about this conventional view of marriage and like, well, what is it? And so we explored that a lot during our, um, we had gotten engaged and then we were, had really deep discussions about it. And you, your aunt and uncle, yeah. um, had a like a wonderful marriage. Um, your uncle has passed now, but they they often joked around that every year on their anniversary they quote unquote like reviewed their contract and discussed whether or not they would renew it. And it was this, I remember them talking about that and thinking like what like that's so interesting. And it was you know really viewing marriage as a partnership and two individuals who are in alignment coming together and to build something. And it was, you know, there, you grow together and you complement one another and you're, you have a vision of what you're creating and you're working together to create that and living your life together in companionship and um, helping each other as you grow and, you know, like all the different things. So before we got married, I remember having this discussion with you and being like, well, what are, what are we actually doing here? Like what, what is marriage and why are we doing this? And so for us, it's very much, it is now and we're living it out. But at the time we decided we were coming together as two individuals to support and love one another and build this vision that we had and we still have, and it's always morphing and changing, but it was never about, and I purposely didn't want to do a lot of the stereotypical patriarchal language around submissiveness and things like that. And we can get into that in a minute, but yeah, it was, I remember the night before we eloped and just being a little nervous, being like, Oh my God, what am I doing? (laughs) You know? And also the other thing I just want to say about failure, I don't view divorce as failure. And I don't actually think that relationships quote unquote fail. I think that, you know, that, there's a saying every, you know, people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And I think that, you know, my first marriage, it happened for a reason and there was a season for it. And the fact that it ended, and this is why I don't like to say the whole like till death do us part, because I didn't actually understand what I was saying when I said that, um, which is why I think it's so important to be intentional with your vows. But, you know, the idea that the marriage had ended, I don't see it as a failure. It served its purpose. I grew so much from it. I think we 
we're together, supposed to be together for that certain amount of time for certain reasons. And then we moved on. And so in many ways, I see it as a success because I learned so much from it and I grew so much as an individual and I learned what I wanted and I learned about what marriage is supposed to be or what I wanted to be for myself. And so regardless if it's, you know, a divorce of a marriage or, you know, a breakup of a long-term relationship or a short-term relationship, or even a friendship, like whatever it might be, I don't see them as failures. I see them as, you know, they, it served its purpose. It's what it was supposed to be. And then we move on. So just because something doesn't last for a lifetime, doesn't mean it's a failure. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I echo that. And and I think most people that have had um, a second marriage or so, I think the intentions going in are a lot different. I feel like when you're younger, it's kind of cliche, but you're kind of just learning and, and you kind of go through the motions and, Oh, I'm almost turning 30. I should probably get married. Like there's that kind of social pressure of timing and, you know, it's, it is what it is. And, and some people get lucky and they find the right person right off the bat. But I feel like if you're true to yourself in the moment, then you'll, you'll find the right person. So to go through that first marriage, again, it was much like you where at the time it was like, Oh, I love this person. You know, we get along really great. There's something being offered at that moment in time, but without the shared vision of what you're actually going to build together and the purpose of you coming together, you might think that that short term in love with that person confuse it for like a long-term marriage or a partnership where I feel like a marriage, if you're, if you're doing life goals of, of raising a family or, or building something greater you want to have a commitment or a vision that lasts that long. So if you're only just in love with that person, I really get along with them and you get married and then you, you turn around in five, 10 years and you're like, Oh, hold on. Like, you know, we haven't had the kids yet. I, I wanted to have a family. Oh, that's you know, maybe not that person's vision. And, and that can be destructive. You can have people that enjoy each other, but if family's not on the same vision board or travel or, you know, climbing the career ladder and getting to the top or, 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 right. Like there's a whole bunch of visions that can be coming out. So if you don't have a clear vision together, or at least an intention towards a vision, it's, it's not, it's not going to work out. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting for us because Mariska had cold feet before a marriage. We even got the, the boot warmers before we went up the you have to put this in context (laughs) mark and i eloped and we eloped in banff which is you know in in, um alberta it's like the alberta side of the rocky mountains and um so we went into the rocky mountains um to a mountaintop we actually got married on top of a mountain on the helipad and on winter solstice it was very cold (laughs) and so um so the night it's, it's kind of hilarious because it was like the night minus before, 20. yeah, it was like minus 20 degrees Celsius the night before we got married, it was a blizzard and we had to go out and get the things that we needed so that we would be warm on top of the mountain. And I literally got foot warmers, like these little things that you like put in your boots so that my feet would stay warm because it was so cold. And so, yeah, that's hilarious that like, I metaphorically and literally had cold feet, but, (laughs) but it was fine. It all worked out. And, but it it was great because it led to this conversation again, because we eloped, we were able to 
just, it was just about you and I, and it was very much like, I mean, obviously we went and celebrated with our family and friends afterwards and it was lovely. And, but what I loved about what we did was the fact that like that night before (laughs) I was able to sit with you and cry and be like, Oh my God, what are we doing? And we talked it through and we're like, this is what we're doing. And this is why we're saying this. And we talked about our vows. We're like, this is the promise that we're making. And I was very conscious and it was very much like, I am an independent person and you are an independent person and we're coming together to create this. And we're going to allow the grace that, you know, at any point, if we believe it's no longer in alignment, we're giving ourselves permission that that's okay. And we can um, leave. However, it was very much, we made the promise with the intention that this will be, you know, until death to us part. However, we didn't say that <laughs> in our, in our marriage vows, but we, we have the intention of living a long life together. Um, so what were you going to say? I wanted to expand on that a little bit. So you typically come more from the spiritual side and, and the thought and emotional side, and I'm much more material world and kind of in analytical. my head analytical. Um, so from my my understanding of a marriage and, and a partnership and we had this discussion too and we both agreed is that in any partnership you have to come together and as a whole be better than the sum of its parts so a person that challenges you and, and makes you grow in certain areas but then can support you in areas that are tough and difficult um and then like socially, Mariska's much more out there and, and adventurous. And then I'm always much more cautious and like conservative. But then together, it's like you can you can build things a lot easier and, and get to places you want to be with both sides of that coin. So I think it was for us, it was pretty clear early on that we offered different things. But we also came together on a lot of important things that I think is important in a marriage. Yeah. And the other thing too is, so you remember, do you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? And there's the scene where he says to Renee Zellweger, like you complete me. And I feel like that was single-handedly like one of the worst things that ever happened (laughs) to, (laughs) to, to the culture around relationships, because I have never once looked to you to complete me. I myself am a complete like individual, we can come together and compliment one another, but there's this notion, I think in pop culture and maybe, you know, that's fed through romance novels and, you know, and some of the notions out there of like needing someone to complete you. And I think that does people like both men and women, like a complete disservice when it comes to relationships. And this kind of leads into one of the things I wanted to talk about with marriage and power dynamics. And so I just want to explain kind of this, like it's, it's a bit, well, it's not technical, but I just want to explain this theory for a minute and then we'll jump back to our discussion uh, of our marriage, et cetera. But so when I was doing my master's degree, there was a professor of mine, her name was Dr. Joyce Bellows. And we were doing I think she was teach well, she taught a couple of different courses and one of them in particular was about biblical equality. And so I'm just putting this out there. Like I've talked about this before on the podcast. Like I come from a Christian background, um, Baptist uh, Christian background, and I did a master's in theology and I ended up like, I don't practice as a Christian 
like stereotypically, I'm not religious anymore. However, I do identify and I love a lot of the, how do I say it? Teachings. I'm very, yeah, I love a lot of the teachings um, and I'm a very spiritual person, but a lot of it's the dogma that I've rejected the dogma and a lot of the things that have put women particularly down and the whole toxic patriarchy. I reject that. So um, anyways, the point is, is I was taking this course called biblical equality. And in that um, Dr. Bellows was, she kind of gained this frame or gave this framework of power dynamics. And I've used that and I don't even remember anymore, like what is hers and what is mine? Cause I've, I've taken it and morphed it and use it in my teaching so often. And it's around personal power and, and the power dynamics and relationships. And so if you picture kind of like a, a spectrum and on one end of the spectrum is a zero and on the other end of the spectrum is a two and right in the middle of the spectrum is a one and the zero, the one, and the two kind of represent different power dynamics. So one in the very center is someone who is independent, who's in alignment, who is complete in and of themselves. You know, they're confident um, and they're not needing anyone, right? They are independent in and of themselves. So then you have on the other two ends of the spectrum. So on the one side with the zero, that is someone who is, you know, selfless, meaning they're giving of themselves. So it's all about the balance of giving and receiving. Um, so on the, the zero side, it's someone who's giving um, more than they receive. So this is the person who gives and gives and gives in a relationship and then, you know, wonders why they're not receiving in return or, you know, they're giving in order to get love and the, the typical like people pleaser. And I say this as a recovering people pleaser, this is not, I'm not saying any of this in judgment. I'm just pointing out differences. So, um, cause I was very much a zero entering into my first marriage. And that was part of the problem. Cause I was looking for some, something and someone to complete me. And this is why, like, I think the whole Jerry Maguire thing was such BS any, anyways. Yeah. So to be selfless, so giving of oneself to the point of that is detrimental to self, right? So you're just like giving and giving and giving until there's like nothing left. So selfless versus on the other end of the spectrum, the two, that's your stereotypical, like narcissist, someone who just takes and takes and takes and doesn't give. And so they take to the detriment of the other. And so they will happily take, they will, and they're, they're both on, on both ends of the spectrum. They're just looking for love, right? Like they're looking for love. They're looking for acceptance. They're looking for respect and recognition, but they're looking for it outside of oneself. And they're trying to either, they're trying to get that from the other. So whether it's giving in order to get or taking and not giving back. And so there's much more to it, but it's this idea of like, in our relationships, we have power dynamics that are playing out constantly, right? And I remember when she, when Joyce was first talking about this, and obviously, like, in a healthy relationship, we are both a one. And so what, like, we're born a one, everyone comes into the world as a one. And then in our relationships, there's this, like, you know, this contract that kind of plays out. And it's, do you stay a one or do you give your one away? <laughs> or are you someone that goes and gathers ones? So a two would grab your one, like they would take your one and they'd become a two. And they would, you know, that's the, the narcissist. 
versus like the selfless person who is just giving and they give their one away freely because they're, you know, undervaluing themselves and they're wanting love. So they're just giving and giving and giving. And so the idea is that you don't want to be imbalanced, but you want to be a one you want to in a relationship you want to be, you want like the balanced power dynamics and both of you to be ones in and of yourself complete. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions about that, Mark? <laughs> like, did that make sense from my ex- explanation before? No, I that was a good explanation. I've, I've heard you talk about it many times, just kind of in discussion initially. And then I know with patients and stuff, you kind of throw them on the scale sometimes just to kind of help. Give it context because it's really like it's power dynamics and it explains codependency and it explains like other you know, just, yeah, it explains power dynamics and relationships and how those can like that balance of giving and receiving can, can be off. And so in like in our relationship, for example, I was very cognizant of that, like going in. Cause again, like I said, I, I think both of us have the tendency to be zeros, like to give and to, so it, and to people, please not to put words in your mouth, but just from discussions that we've had in the past. So I was very cognizant of that, like coming in very much conscious of it and wanting to make sure that I didn't quote unquote, lose myself in our relationship. Cause that's, you know, so many people I've had girlfriends in the past that that's happened. I've done that in the past in a relationship. I've like totally lost myself and I just like mold and shape myself into who the other person wants me to be. And then I don't show up. And then like, like, I remember distinctly an example from when I was in university and I was dating this guy and I just kind of like disappeared, not disappeared as in like <laughs> disappeared from my life, but my friends stopped hearing from me. And cause I was so enthralled and so into this relationship and that's somewhat normal at the beginning of a relationship. Like when you're, you know, everything's new and you're in that honeymoon phase to be completely into one another, but it's another thing to like completely lose yourself where you're not showing up as an individual. Yeah. And I think I'm sure you're leading into this with this discussion, but it also speaks and and overlays with like the thought of currency. So like if you're giving up your currency and and using that terminology to describe power dynamics, it's important because then it overlays the overall currency and wealth and and more the traditional form of what we talk about currency being money. So I, I don't know if you wanted to transition to that part of our discussion or just continue on what you're talking about in the relationship side. I definitely want to get into that, um, to the idea of currency and like my definition of currency is your time, your energy, and your attention being your true currency. And I think money is a representation of that, but obviously power as well, like in, in relationships, we'll definitely transfer to that in a minute, but I want to like just circle back to something that you were talking about earlier when you're talking about like complementing each other in relationships. And again, like this idea of like two individuals coming together in a relationship and, you know, with a shared vision and, and the balance that happens. So I had spoken briefly about, you know, I kind of, because of my first marriage and because it was very much around the Christian traditional idea of marriage where a woman being submissive to her husband and like, you know, the husband being the boss and like all this sort of stuff. I had a really big problem with that. (laughs) 
and <laughs> didn't realize I had a big problem with that until um, after the fact. But and I I understand there are different ways to interpret that, and I want to just say that because I'm sure there are those listening with a Christian background or or practicing that faith that love how marriage is defined and that works for them. And I don't want to take that away from them. I want to respect that in my context with my relationship with my ex-husband, it was not, it was a, a, a abuse of power and it was not, it was not healthy. The power dynamics, like I was very much playing a zero so much so that it's so funny. I think specifically of an event. And again, I'm going to limit what I say for privacy reasons, but I remember an event we were hosting, this is myself and my ex-husband were hosting a dinner party in our home. And I had, I still remember, I can picture it exactly. I remember exactly what I made. I made bow tie pasta with shrimp and sun-dried tomatoes, and it was delicious. And I had these like you know, gorgeous salad. And I had also made this like chocolate cake with a chocolate ganache. Like I remember it so distinctly because it was such a defining moment in my life. And though it didn't quite register in the moment, what was going on, it was after the fact that I was like, oh my gosh, anyways, I'm serving everybody. So everyone's sitting at the table and I'm serving dinner. And I was going between the dining room and the kitchen And I remember coming from the kitchen into the dining room and they're all laughing and they're having this discussion about their marriages and everyone is discussing their marriage and kind of like giving it a metaphor or, you know, an analogy of what their marriage is like. And my ex-husband laughing says, well, he said, our marriage can be summed up with the play, The Taming of the Shrew, you know, by William Shakespeare. And I, like everyone was kind of laughed and it was I was busy serving dinner and I didn't really clue in as to what was like, it didn't sink in as to what he had just said. And it was only after the fact that I realized what he had said. And for those of you who don't know, like the taming of the shrew is, you know, written by Shakespeare, but there's a subplot or like a a few different plots, but there's a, a subplot where one of the characters, Petruchio, I think is his name. It's about him taming his very wild wife, Catherine, and making her a submissive, a submissive wife, a submissive woman. And so it's this idea of he needs to tame his wife through various psychological and physical tormenting. I just remember like it was afterwards that I was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's how (laughs) like he's referring to our marriage. And it was very much that it was very much like this idea of, you know, with the power dynamics and and like a zero and a two. And so I'm going to leave it at that. But I say that only because I just, you know, had to work through that. And that was part of my growth. And partly why I see that relationship and the ending of it as being a success, because I moved through that and I took my power back. And so hence why entering into marriage again, or into, you know, a long-term relationship again, I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to be conscious of the fact that, and and maintain my one, like I want to keep my, I don't want to lose myself. And I don't want to get into this idea of having to people please or please in order to receive love or do, 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 and give, give, give in order to receive. Like, I just want to, I don't want to look outside of myself for the love and acceptance. Um, I want to have that come from within. And I think you said it, you know, earlier in our, our discussion where it was, we were both in a good place where we were happy in and of ourselves and we were in alignment. And so we both entered into the relationship as a one. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, if you're listening to this and I use this example all the time of the zero, the one, two, and talking with patients and, and in the nest. And I think it's just, you know, and you can rewrite that contract at any time, right? Like it doesn't, and it can be different for all of relationships. You can show up as a one in many of your relationships and have like that one relationship where you just feel like you're giving all the time and like, it's not equal. It's, there's not a balance of giving and receiving, or maybe you're showing up as a two in one of your relationships, right? Where you're like dependent on that person for love and like all, and you're just keep taking. So um, yeah, it can play out either way. Right. But anyways, I just wanted to bring that up and also circling back to the idea of complimenting one another and I think one of the things that we have learned that's really helped us make our marriage great is the idea of like the yin and the yang, right? Like, like you were saying, like opposites can attract, but you can also have a lot of similarities. I don't think there's like one rule to this. I think it's finding that balance of like what, like showing up as two individuals in your strengths and having them compliment one another, but then also like where our weaknesses are. And like, you know, there are things that you do extremely well that, are not my forte and vice versa. And so really in our partnership, we've beyond the stereotypical roles of what a wife is supposed to be or what a husband is supposed to be or whatever, we've really defined that for ourselves. The funny thing is like, there are stereotypical things, you know, and I say this, like I'm talking about heterosexual couples, you know, like that a wife would do that I do very much enjoy, like some of the things that are stereotypically in that gender role. And there are other things that I don't, (laughs) and that's fine. And, And you've given me, and I've given you the freedom to just show up as an individual. And it doesn't matter. Like, we're not like, well, you're a husband and this is what you're supposed to do. It's no, you're Mark and I'm Mariska. And this is what we're good at. And let's come together. And then on the things that we're both not great at, we figure that out and we delegate. Yeah, no, I think part of it and keeping it in, in a position of strength is just checking back in. So like we talk about the annual contract, but I think even in periods of busyness, we kind of get lost in our own day to day that, you know, we do try to have a date night or even just a conversation without interruption, (laughs) which isn't always easy, but just to kind of say, Hey, like, where are you at? Like what's happening? And then there's stuff that I'm doing that I'm not aware of and vice versa that we can kind of iron out. And I, I did want to tag into your, your, your comment about gender type stereotypical gender roles. Um, but I also think that both of us have strengths in different areas. Like if, if we're working on yard work and someone is pulling out a, a chainsaw, I usually have Mariska tap into what they're telling us in turn, how to turn it on and run it because she's got more experience <laughs> in some areas that you'd consider more male, but then, you know, she teaches me how to use a chainsaw sometimes. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Anyways. Well, I, I'm very handy and you know, like I, well, that's actually a really good example to go into. Like I, you know, the way that I grew up, I was taught how to do so much on the homestead. And so there are things like, for example, we, we built a fire pit in our uh, backyard and we were having a, a winter solstice party and I had this vision of this huge fire pit. And so four days before the party, I decided we're going to build this fire pit. And, you know, there, and obviously like, it's not that you're not handy, you are handy, but there are things that I have experience with having, you know, with my upbringing and, you know, um, I just don't let the gender roles like stop me. And, 
and nor do you. So it's like, whatever, like, okay, it's not a stereotypical quote unquote feminine thing to do to uh, go out and work with concrete and cement and, you know, whatever and build stuff. But I'm like, that's, that's just our culture. And I think that it's a bit silly to define those things that way, but we don't let that stop us in our relationship. We just work from our strengths. So, yeah, but I, I think too, it's this idea of like, you know, complimenting one another and, but still having a lot of common interests. So you very much have things like hobbies and and interests that uh, I don't share and vice versa. But then there are things that we come together on that we really enjoy doing together. And um, because our friendship is really the basis, you know, and then obviously we have the romantic part of our relationship as well, but we do enjoy each other's company and we do fun things together. And I think that's really important. The other thing I want to say too, is like what I think contributes to successful relationships is growing together. Cause yes. Okay. You're individuals and you have your, you know, you're both striving to be in alignment and grow and do all this, but you have to grow together or you grow apart. And there are definite times in our marriage where I think I've been focused on my personal growth and my spiritual growth or, you know, healing myself physically or like whatever it might be. And, but I've been very much focused on like growing and expanding as an individual. And I don't think our marriage would work unless you were also doing that because I, as I grow, I change and <clears throat> excuse me. And if I'm growing and changing and you're not, and you're staying stagnant, then that's not necessarily going to work. So, and I've seen this with many different patients and I actually have done some marriage counseling for um, patients and their partners. So it's this idea of like, you know, you grow together or you grow apart. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, if someone like, I'm quite zealous about it. And at times I don't think you are, and that's fine. Um, Meaning you don't seek it as often as I do or as vigorously as I do, Um, but you are still actively looking to grow and expand as an individual. And we do grow together. Anything you want to say about that? I probably have the worst analogy, but I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> um, well, we do make each other laugh, so that's good. I have a dry, sarcastic sense of humor that catches my off guard. No, one of the, one of the things, and it it's really just an analogy. This isn't like a big takeaway, but for us, it was is just gardening together. So in life, you can kind of get busy with your day to day and things you're focusing on, and and Whenever we went out to the garden, I would zip off and start cutting stuff down and doing some stuff around the yard. And Mariska would be planting some seeds and bushes. And, and she just kind of like, you know, we're supposed to do this together. And her family, she learned that her family always did everything together. And her family is actually quite close knit. And they're, you know, part of the gardening and doing chores is like doing it together and enjoying it because you have those discussions when it's taking two hours to paint a wall, you kind of get into some discussions that you may not normally get into or deep thought stuff or whatever's on the top of your mind. But if you're busy off in the other end of the yard, chopping trees down or doing whatever I do, you're kind of missing the point. (laughs) So I think, I think sometimes you have to kind of garden together. And even though not as much gets done, it's not just about the task at hand. It's about doing something together and learning something and then having more accomplished because you're actually having a deep discussion while you're doing it or you're teaching your child about nature or you're you're doing something right so it's it's actively being involved 
together at certain tasks. So if it's, if it's not gardening, it's, you know, what kind of house do you want to live in? What kind of vacations you want to do? What kind of movie you want to watch or, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And like doing it together. So, and again, it doesn't mean you have to do everything together. I think the point that you were trying to make is so often, and this is actually like a tension that we had on Saturdays <laughs> when we would have, like, it's was, we were trying to do things around the house. It was like our day to get stuff done and do some chores around the house. And I would get so frustrated because you would go off and do your own thing. And we would have, we wouldn't have any communication about what was going on. And again, like obviously communication, this is, you know, it's so important and this speaks to that. And I was, you were like, I don't understand why you're upset with me. Like I'm going off and I'm getting stuff done. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> and um, anyways, not to get into it in, in huge detail, but the idea was like coming together and communicating like, well, actually like part of this whole process and, and the benefit of it is, you know, my dad would always say like a family that plays together, stays together. And so it was this idea of like, and the overall analogy I think that you're getting at is like, instead of just being two people going about and living your life, it's like you're coming together and you're living life together and with a common goal and, 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 you know, doing it together, doing life together. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. I think we're going to leave it there for part one, hun, and we're going to come back and do a part two and get into more of like money and manifesting. But I mean, we kind of touched a little bit on um, manifesting a little bit in how we spoke about our relationships and how we came together, our relationship, sorry, and how we came together, how we met. But I'm, we're going to get into it much more detail in part two, because we, that's one of our interests, common interests together is like metaphysical stuff and, and quantum reality. <laughs> and um, we're super geeky and we geek out together with that, but we're going to get into that and money specifically because money, sex, and power, it's all second chakra. It's all related. And, and obviously when you talk about marriage, it's a, it's a big topic, right? So we're going to come back and we're going to, you're going to come back again and we're going to do a part two. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Well, thank you for listening to part one and we'll be back for part two. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nest Podcast. If you're a woman who's interested in reclaiming your health and well-being holistically, then I'd love to work with you. My passion is helping women reconnect with their intuition and sacred feminine blueprint so they can heal their bodies. If any of the topics from this episode resonated with you and you'd like to know more about how you can work with me, then check out my programs via my website link below in the show notes or pop over to my Instagram to say hello. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.